This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside You gotta be a fan Hello there, it's Dean Oil playing my guitar. The new owners gave me this after I wrote off 40 million bastard quid. Now, oh well, hopefully we won't end up in League One. See ya! Well, you hurt my friends and you hurt my pride. But with a 12 mil, we can't let it slide. Town are owned by Americans. So let's get a coach better than fathering him. Town are You know something, brothers. Welcome to episode 170 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Guys, what's happening? Town go back to back for the first time in 2023 as a crazy 20 minutes has blitzed Middlesbrough. Town's new owners revealed himself and DAZN announced an intention to stream EFL games ending the Saturday 3pm blackout. There's lots to talk about tonight and with me, Matt Hackshaw, Jim Duggan, it's the ultimate warrior, Johnny Gillespie, the ginger ogre, Dan Porritt and Horn Swoggle Senior, aka Town Stopper, Phil Senior. Are you okay, guys? Very good, you? Not bad. Good, See, you. pause. I, d- I didn't even need to change your name for a decent wrestling intro there. Did exactly. I was already prepared, mate. I saw the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> this this episode, as always, is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Uh, use our code of AHTTC10 uh, for 10% off all online orders. And obviously, it's it's getting nicer outside. The sun's here longer. It's warmer outside. Get yourself down to the beer gardens there and have a sit outside. It's a uh, a nice little place for uh, a good brewski. Um, Huddersfield Town 4, Middlesbrough 2. Who saw this coming? Lads, I've said this for over 25 years now. I fucking love Neil Warnock. I do. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love the guy. Um, the first half, we'll just talk about uh, little incidents in the first half. Um, Karoma had that shot cleared off the line, didn't he, to, to maybe put us one up. Um, what I loved about this pause was 
There's a nice ball into the box by Romani Edmonds Green playing midfield. And the man around the back post is Mikhail Helic, who takes an absolutely glorious touch and lays it back for Josh Karoma, who has a shot cleared off the line. Centre backs playing football under Neil Warnock. What a time, eh? Unbelievable, mate. Unbelievable. I think to be fair, that were probably the only reasonable thing that happened half, in yeah. that first half for us. Yeah, we were we were pretty slow off the mark, weren't we? And it, you know, obviously one 0 to them at half time. I think we were most of us will have been sat there thinking, you know, more to come second half. But yeah, that it were a nice little move that and if if that goes in at one nil, it's it's a totally different game all all over. But yeah, you know, like you said, Michael Hurley up there, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect him to be at all. Playing those sorts of balls and uh, yeah, being able to do that, but he, he's been class all season as Helic, to be fair. So, you know, also, your dog's gonna you have both, <laughs> your dog's on one at the minute. Is that is that picking it up? Let me put it on mute and then you can't hear him. <laughs> no worries. Paul's dog wants to get involved, who to be a terrier and all that. Johnny Middlesbrough looked decent, didn't they? First half, I thought you know, I was chatting to Dave Hartrick a little bit throughout the game and he was just sort of saying how good Middlesbrough were and how decent they looked. and I know we've we've won the game, but you know they they look a decent side, don't they? And you can see why everybody's tipping them for an assault on the top two. Never mind playoffs. Yeah, they were. I think I think we Middlesbrough looked good, looked sharp, um, but I think we didn't do too much wrong either that first time. I thought we looked decent as well. We kept them at bay, but it was a little bit of quality. How quick that goal came um, just showed. Like Ramsey put it through, bit of quality, good pass. He beats two men really quickly. Um, kind of bit of Premier League quality. I don't know he's, I don't know if he's on loan from Aston Villa or signed from Aston Villa, one of the two. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but they they had control. Um, they were quite comfortable knocking it around in our final third, or just in front of our final third, of the midfielders. But House and I had to actually Google how old House and was. Cause I couldn't quite work out how he's still playing at, at that level when he kind of was doing some of the stuff that he's doing. But yeah, they're they're a good team. Um, if you look at their squad on paper. It is decent. I, I kind of had them up there towards at the start of the season. I was quite surprising that this ruled um, under Wilder and not surprised to see where they are now. So, yeah, we saw that quality. We saw why I think they've won the last three away games um, before before town. They, they were chasing down Sheffield United and kind of were the form team in division. So we kind of we saw what we expected to see really, I thought, in that first in that first half. But I did think we, we dealt with it relatively well, to be honest, as well. And you know, there's probably not that much to say, is there? For other than that, uh, other than that, the first half, the goal that they scored by, can you feel the force? But straight from the kickoff, second half, I don't know what Neil Warnock said to them at halftime, Phil. But Josh Ruffles um, is probably not being the most popular player, shall we say, on the podcast in the stands in the last eighteen months. Um, maybe he got a couple of breaks on the goal, but I just loved how positive he was in that because he, he's forced that goal, really. It's a great finish and Josh Ruffles does not score crap goals, does he? But the, I, he's it, he's forced the situation by being positive and that wasn't happening a month ago, was it, Phil? I had a bit of a blinder because I, uh, I was a young lad were playing football Saturday and I got back around about four o'clock and I put the TV on and it was like bang, bang, bang. <laughs> great for me to watch. Honestly, missing the first half sounded like a good trick. Um, but he was we just so positive getting forward. He, he got a couple of lucky little breaks um, on the way in, but he took his goal really well. Um, and, and you can see, you can see like the little bit of confidence kind of coming back into the group. And uh, and you mentioned it, you know, obviously before, but like it's the Warnock effect, and you know, he's obviously getting these players, you know, ticking away for him. And and you could see, I mean, you'll you'll probably go on to talk about it in a, in a bit, but 
you could see the togetherness on the pitch and the will to try and defend as a team and as a unit. Um, and I just thought it was great. But yeah, Ruffles, it was it was nice to see him getting forward and, and, and having a crack at goal. Um, and and he's, he's not going to be everyone's favourite. You know, we, we do have his favourites. There's certain players that, 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 we, that we're drawn to. Um, and I don't think he had a perfect game, but, you know, in the final third, that's where it counts. And, and, and like I say, he put a couple of good balls into the box at, at points of the game and, and, and what a great finish. You know, it, it was fantastic. It didn't stop there, did it, Paz? There's, um, <laughs> you know, it's straight away almost, wasn't it? Again, Danny Ward, um, Danny Ward's ended the day, hasn't he, with, you know, a couple of nice assists there. And he's he's come in because Wagon's injured and he's, he's struggled with injury himself. But look at the impact Danny Ward's had up front. He's probably not going to get the plaudits, is he, for... For that game, because Matty Pearson's grabbed a couple of goals and Josh Caroma's scored an outstanding goal here, but it's really made by Hoggy. Just inter- you know, really good interception by Jonathan Hogg, who's had a good month as well, and he's played the ball to Danny Ward, and Danny Ward's come in field and played it across, and you know, and, and Danny Ward's also setting up uh, Matty Pearson a bit later on as well. But it's a it's a good ball, and you know, we, we've we need to get the conch out, don't we, and get back the old Josh Caroma fan club and uh, yeah. roll it back in. But honestly, the way he's he's done this, the, the you can see the the goal from behind the goal. Josh Karoma uses the centre back, and it's a real skill, isn't it? Where you use the centre back and you use it to curl the ball around the centre back into the corner. It's a it's a tried and trusted technique that all the decent players do, and it, it's outstanding, really. Just how he sees the centre back and he just uses him just to manoeuvre the ball around into the bottom corner. Zach Stefan's got no chance. It's it's an outstanding goal, isn't it? Pause and to say how bad this season's been we've actually scored quite a lot of decent goals this year it's going to be quite good when we do the goal of the year contender but this one's got to be right up there hasn't it yeah definitely um i must admit i thought you know Karoma's one of those is he kind of comes in and out of games don't he can have really quiet periods and i thought first half you know uh we're saying half time to one of the lads who i sit with that he's probably one of the most creative players yet we, we don't really use him the right lot uh, we seem to go a lot down the right hand side, and I was thinking yesterday, you know, get it across to Karoma, keep get it to him as many times as we can because he's got that in his locker, and he to, to cut inside and, and curl one in, and maybe that were a little bit of a, a change attacked um, at half time by one because it, we did seem to go down the left a little bit more, and as you say, that is a little bit like Carl and Grant in it. They were both very similar players, they both like to sort of attack that sort of space just inside uh, either the fullback. Um, all the centre half, depending on who was marking them, and, and sort of cutting and, and curl it across. And it's probably one of those goals. I think you know, in weeks gone by and months gone by, I kind of compared um, Callum Grant to Thierry Henry uh, in the in the way that he scores <laughs> that, that that type of goal. And Karoma is very justifying is that pause. I think yeah, he's kind of you know sort of the drop of the shoulder, <laughs> cut inside as you say, use the defender to shield the shield the shot and, and curl it around and. Phil, I'm sure as a keeper, sometimes you, you kind of know those shots are coming, but there's there's not much you can do about it because if you if you anticipate too much and, and talk, take a step across to that far corner, then you know players are good enough to, to bend it near post. So you know setting your angles up there, you, you're not you're not certain, are you? Um, and like I say, you know it's coming, but you can't really do much about it. This is one of this is one of my bears with Corova because he's got that in his locker, but. Before a game, you'll have a report on, on all these different players, and you you know for a fact that that's what he wants to do all the time. And, and one of my biggest issues with him is, is he's got electrifying pace, he's got a good left foot, and just to mix it up a little bit sometimes to hit the byline and, and cut a few back because it becomes really obvious what he's doing. But 
that is trademark Roma and it was a great finish. But I think the, the biggest thing with that finish is he took it so quick. It wasn't a, a, a out of the foot, let's set myself up, let's whip it. It was literally a, a push whip and it didn't go in that it didn't go in that quick. But it, it that must have taken the keeper kind of off guard. Uh, because it didn't go right in the corner, did it? It wasn't it wasn't right in the bottom corner. Um but it, the speed that he did it, but that's just him with full of confidence. He ran at his defender, he drew him in, you could see it, touch, bang. That's just someone who's full of confidence. And didn't he work hard during the game as well? It's been great, and and what I loved about that goal, Johnny, as well, was Josh Karoma puts it in and he runs to the corner flag, and there's two people jump in and celebrate with him, David Kasumu and Tyree Simpson, who are on the bench as well. And what Phil said earlier about the togetherness and people sort of pulling in the same direction. Now you've got, you've got videos circulating online about QPR, how the, you know, QPR, the fans are going, having to go at the players and the players and the fans are having to go at each other. And then you see Huddersfield town, you see substitutes who haven't been picked to, as excited as the players on the field, you know, when we've scored a goal and the fans are on board and everything. And all of a sudden you feel like Huddersfield are finally moving in the right direction, don't you? And everybody's pushing now. And, and it was just brilliant to see stuff like that. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's momentum, isn't it? That's the key. That's the key thing that Huddersfield have got at the moment. Um, and it's when you hit the running, which we are, <clears throat> well, it depends when you start running. I'd say we're in it now. Um, if not, we're about to start it. But that's what you want. Going for promotion, going to stay up. You need momentum. And I would, if I was QPR now, I'd happily train, trade those three points they've got on us for the momentum that we've got in our squad, the positivity, everyone pointing the same direction. Like um, Phil said, the warm-up factor, what he brings to that the mentality, it makes it simple. I mean, like we said right, right at the beginning of, of the warm-up here, before he kind of came in, what do we want? We wanted someone who could just bring that. It's not about the minutiae tactics Warnock is, is doing that and we can see that from what he's done on the pitch with where where, um, where Reg has played and etc but I'm not saying he's not got that he has but it's more than that when he brings out it's that togetherness you can see it you can see it with the, where the players celebrate when they score you can see it at the end of the game um, there's that togetherness there and he's getting he's putting confidence into players and they're doing things that they weren't doing just going back to that Chroma chance the start of the season before he effectively got bombed out. There was a few chances in games where he'd take an extra touch and he'd just shoot against a defender. And it's like, the space isn't there. Why is he shooting? Compared to this situation where, like Phil said, it's touch-touch, early shot. An early shot, you always want players to shoot early because it, 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 it creates that it creates that chance, creates that uncertainty. So that's the difference. And yeah, in regards to kind of where we are against um, opponents now, you'd feel Huddersfield. They'll feel Huddersfield. They'll look at us as a real threat. Um and yeah, it's great to see. It's great to see that spirit. Whatever happens, we're giving it a go. And I think that's something that's really key. And the fans can get on board with that. Some of the fans can buy into now. It's really easy, isn't it? Jumping on bandwagon, you know, we've, we've beaten Middlesbrough for two and et cetera. It's dead easy to do that and get carried away. But I think like you've just said there, nail on the head, it's, it's the, the will and, and, and the, the effort and mm. the togetherness of the group. That's what you want to see, like irrelevant to the result. Because I know for a fact, why not what the bullying those boys up when they're in the change rooms? And we're making sure that they're ready for the next game and they won't be letting yeah. themselves run away with it because you can't do it at this stage because your next yeah. result will be a 1-0 loss and, and, you, and you, don't, you don't want to be up and down, up and down. You need to just stay there. And, and, and we've got the perfect man, haven't we? Don't get too high when you win and don't get too low when you lose. Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> um, before we go into like Matty Pearson going crazy, you know, just just on the back of that, us whoppers on this podcast before the Norwich game, there was a certain bald whopper that 
comes on this podcast who we love very much and happy birthday to Mr. Cosmala uh, for the other day. He couldn't see another win this season before the Norwich game, could he? And absolutely none of us on here are in the stands thought we'd get seven points out of nine from Norwich, Millwall and Middlesbrough. It's outstanding. It, it genuinely is outstanding, especially after, you know, we've, we've been absolutely piped, haven't we? 4-0 by Burnley and Coventry and everyone had written us off. I think we'd written us off. There was still the Warnock factor, wasn't there? But we were, we were pretty much resigned. And all of a sudden, seven points from nine and look at us, we're... we're there's four of us on the podcast wanting to get going and get raring, and it's 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 brilliant, isn't it? It's it's great to see and the app the other when watching the goals back, the highlights, the sound when the ball hits the net, you know the roar of the crowd. It's it's incredible and the reaction of Matty Pearson, Phil, Phil, your old mate Matty Pearson. Where's he come from on those two goals? Where has he come from? You know the corner comes over. Jack Radoni has been. Um, I want to talk about a couple of players in a bit who have really sort of come to the fore in the last month, but Jack Radoni is one of them. You know, I'm quite critical, I think, of Jack Radoni sometimes because I can see the potential there and it's just the decision-making which lets him down sometimes, but he's worked so hard over the last three or four weeks and he's been such an important player. And he puts the corner in and Matty Pearson's wrestling with Tommy Smith, isn't he? And it, Tommy, Smith, what, Tommy Smith it, goes down and, if, if, and if, Matty yeah. Pearson scores. <laughs> If you had to choreograph a goal for Matty Pearson, <laughs> that would 100% be it. He's landing on the floor with someone, like, scrapping, like, and then he gets up, all in, like, a little bit of a daze, and then <laughs> a nasty little knee. I don't know what he would do with it, whether he would help it on or what, I don't know. It just sums him up, absolutely sums him up, but he does sum up that kind of thing now. Because, like you said, the, the celebration is full of passion. That's the kind of player you want in your team, 100%. And as soon as he scored, my little lad said to me, see, told you we're good enough, Dad. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I my words were Matty. Um, and I'm pleased for him because I don't think he's had a great um, great return to the team. I think he's found it hard. Um, probably playing a little bit out of position and, and, and not in the back four that he's used to. Um, and it does take a little bit of time to get back into it. But when Matty's, when Matty's full of confidence, he's a difficult person to play against. He really is because he's full of beans and and, and like I say, there's no easy ride playing up against Matty when, when he's full of confidence. And hopefully this will give him a little bit more again. But how is he scoring? I don't know. But when it's going for you, it's going for you. Because that second goal he scores, he hits it. I think it's his left foot, isn't it? And the keeper throws his foot at that. And as a keeper, Phil, you know that that can go anywhere, can't it? And it go, and it nestles in the other bottom corner. And you, that's when you can tell it's your day, can't you? Because Matty Pearson's put his foot on that. The keeper's tried to kick it away and it's ended in the bottom corner. And... Matty Pearson's running around celebrating with this big grin on his face and amazing 20 minutes. Amazing 20 minutes. You know, things like that, though, we deserve a little bit of luck because we haven't had much luck this season as well. You know, we could talk about performances, but we have been a little bit unlucky for some of the goals, balls dropping to other teams, etc. not for us. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, when, when, when you watch on the TV, I wasn't sure if it was going to hit the post and he just, he knew because he, he was running away before it even got it back in it. So... <laughs> Uh, fair play, you got yourself in the right position and, and made contact, put a bit of contact on the ball and keepers have got no chance really there. You, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Stand up or, or, or gamble. So. Is it clean? Is it really clean? Yeah. yeah. Is, um, I'm just looking, is been doing uh, old Matty Pearson a bit of a disservice. He's, he's third top scorer with an 80% yeah. uh, shot accuracy rating at the moment. So, you know, <laughs> come on, let's lay off him a little bit. What a season. <laughs> what a season. Is that he's behind own goal, isn't he, which is our second top scorer. I think I think <laughs> I'm going to go with it. Oh dear. But 
Middlesbrough, obviously, a decent side, as, we, as we've said, and Chubarak Pom gets them back. You can see why he's got 25 goals. He's taken that header brilliantly, hasn't he? He's, he's, he's buried that. It's a great header. Um, but just before that, the, the goal line technology was was switched on this time, and I've got no idea. They hit the post, and it rolled across, and Vaslik's got no idea. He's, he's kind of got his leg in an unnatural position, hasn't he? And it's just hit him on the leg to stop it from going in, and little things like that going for us, which haven't gone for us for a long time, and you know, it, it's good to finally see the little bits of luck changing. But Phil, it's there's no such thing really as as luck, is there? In 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 some sense, you've got to make it, haven't you? You've got to be positive, and you've got to sort of put yourself and your own impression on games because you can't sort of sit back and then sit back and defend and defend and defend, and then a deflection goes in from the twentieth shot and then claim you're unlucky, can you? You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to make things happen sometimes, don't you? And well, that's, that's it, what we're doing now. Yeah, that's it. And like I say, defensively, we look really organised and, and, and full of belief. And, and going forwards, it's a little bit more. I know, obviously, we, we didn't have much possession in, in the game. Um, but there's people still making those forward runs and, and supporting the runners who are making the forward runs. So, you know, it's it's all about, like you say, it's making your own look. And and, and I think defensively, we are doing. I think they're putting the bodies on the line. Helic's been absolutely tremendous. You know, awesome. yeah. He's been absolutely brilliant. And, and I just think, you know, if, if that's your base and, and, and whatever comes after that, if we can get a little bit of confidence from these wide players and these strikers, etc., and Rodoni's, you know, he's, he's working hard and looking good, then you never know, do you? Um, and we're not getting too carried away, like you mentioned before. Like you know, it was doom and gloom. I couldn't see, a, I couldn't see a win at all. It, it, it were horrendous. Warnock effect or whatever. It was just you can't not think. You know, we're not going to get a, another win because it looked like we were, but something's changed. Like Posy said, there, there's there's the confidence, there's the belief. You know, back in the players. Um, so yeah, you, you, like I you say, you've got to make your own look. Mm. Um, Johnny, talk about sort of people that have stepped forward the last month. Roman Edmonds Green is one of them playing as a deep line midfielder, isn't he? Uh, the Regista, as we call him. You know him and Hog. You know, almost creating a wall, don't they, in front of that back four? Um, Josh Caroma has really come forward the last month. You know, he's worked really hard. Jack Radoni. Who are you picking? Maybe as as you know, you sort of surprise over the last month or so. Even Vatslick, Vatslick's got fitter, hasn't he, and, and made some important contributions. There's so many stepping foot. Josh Ruffles, there's so many sort of stepping stepping up now, isn't there? And it's it's good. Ben Jackson, you, you know, you can keep going, can't you? And, and that's that's you, just you such can, a good thing, isn't it? You can keep going. I think it's like what Phil was saying before. You can keep going because let's be honest, it, it was so shocking previously. So they've all they've all had to have a look at themselves, and like we've said quite a few times it does split opinion this and it split opinion across the fan base like what the quality of the squad is versus where it should be in the league and we've I know you and I might have kind of come down a little bit more on the side of there is quality in there and it's probably lack of confidence and I think that is is what we're seeing now you've had players who've had a really difficult year um, and like some of them you've picked out there with uh, Romani Embers Green and, and Kuroma who've not, not found the place in Huddersfield have gone out on loan um, not for positive reasons, but then not found a place in the loan club and come back. So it, it, to be able to kind of even pick yourself up at that point mentally, um, it, it, it deserves a lot of credit, not just do a bit part in a team, but actually then come into a squad where they know it's difficult because I'm not saying fans have got on the back because they haven't, but they'll understand what the fans will be thinking. Um, and they've, they've, they've taken opportunity and they've, they've done more than just taken opportunity. They've really stepped up. And we, 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 we spoke highly of Chrome on, on the last pod after um, 
the Millwall game and equally remind him as Green as well after that game. And I think, again, they deserve credit for what they've done this game. I think Warren has found a real good position there because I've always fancied remind him as Green coming, coming through and I was a bit disappointed to see it didn't really happen at the start of this season for him. Um, through, through through his own doing, the quality wasn't there because he he looks he looks a modern centre back in the fact that he he's got a bit about him to play play centre back, but also he can play football as well. He's clearly got the ability to be a ball player, and we saw that in what we talked about right at the start with a little ball across to Helix. So I'm really pleased for him. I'm really pleased for players of that age as well that they've like um, I thought Chrome's in into was fascinating midweek where he kind of said he came into the club as as a boy and he's 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 now a man. Um, and you've got to remember these these lads are coming in the 22, 23, 24. And I'm just happy that they've they've taken opportunities that, they, that that's been given to them. Um for, I mean they're probably lucky that the, the club's been in the way it has been with through lack of recruitment and injuries and poor performance, they've had that chance. But it's good because we've seen the players that they are, and whether they stay next year or not, I'm glad that they've taken opportunity and do you know I mean they're really, really fighting. And I think do you know I mean, yeah, we can praise Warnock as well for that. But long may it continue because the way they're playing, you kind of sat there thinking, we'd like them to be able to still not near I mean, next year. I know they might well be playing for the contract and that's fair enough. I don't I don't I don't think you can have a goal players for doing that. But there might be a few people in the boardroom, whoever's in the boardroom nowadays thinking actually we'd we quite like to maybe look to keep keep hold of one or two of these players. So yeah, I think they're they're a credit to themselves and hopefully if this is the last credit to the family we see him yeah. Credit to the family, but yeah, if it is last games we see him, then fair enough. But let's let's hope they can continue to do it to the end of the season. Go on, pause. Give us a uh, you you love a good defender, don't you? I mean, Tom Lees and Helicat for me have, have been pretty decent all season. I know you can kind of point to little bits and pieces here and there where they've maybe not done well, but they've been kind of constants. Um, who are you sort of thinking has really stepped up in the last sort of month or so? I think Helic has, you know, as you say, has been has been class all season, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. He's kind of been the constant as well. It's the player of the year, surely, isn't it? Head and shoulders for me, sure. Yeah, you'd, you'd expect. Oh, well, Lee's Lee's has been good as well, but yeah, I think I think they've both been decent. I just think Helic stands out that little bit more. He seems to command things a little bit better uh, than Tom Lee's um, from a defensive defensive point of view. And it's easy to forget about defenders when you're not doing well in it, because obviously you you tend to lose more. You concede a lot and you're losing more, so your instant thought isn't well. The defenders playing really well because you look at you know goals conceded and there's a lot of them. So you think, well, obviously defensive playing Paul, but I think without Helic, it'd be a hell of a lot more um, than than what we've let in. Um, he's really commanding. He's a great signing. He took it. It did take a while to sort of you know get up and running, but ever since he has, I think if you took him out, you would notice it a lot more than if you took out Lee's and and obviously now Matty Pearson. Now he's back. Um, so, so for me, it'd have to be, it'd have to be Helic. Oh, Phil, what about you? You're going to throw something in for Vatslick? No, 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 no. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a, I don't know. It's a difficult one, really. I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased for Karoma, to be honest. I think he's, um, like I say, he looked like he was lacking in confidence, and he's had to spend a lot of time on the on the bench waiting for his opportunity. And um, I saw the interview as well, Johnny. I thought it was really good. Uh, and and you, you do forget, you forget how young these kids are and they are only young. You know, I'm thinking back to when I were 21 and playing for town, it were, it, you know, you, you, you're so inexperienced. Um, so much more to learn and you, you don't learn your game until you're, you know, another four or five years down the line. So um, no, I'm pleased for him. And, and like I say, Romani Evans Green, I think he's a, 
he's done well in there. But I, I like Rodoni. Me, there's just something about him. I just think he's he's a grafter. He's honest. Um, he's, he's some of his some of his quality hasn't quite been there. His final balls, etc. But I think there's a lot more to come from him. Uh, I really do. I think he, he, he works tirelessly. The, a lot of the, that unseen kind of running that he does. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a few that have turned it around. They've turned around the corner, haven't they? And, and I'm pretty pleased with him. So uh, and, and you can put you can put ruffles in there as well, can't you? You know, it's he's had a lot of stick from 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 well from all of us really. Um, he's, he's, I don't think he's your number one choice for left back, but I think it's that natural selection of a left sided player and. Um, and, and it looks a little bit more comfortable in terms of um, that lineup of the back four. So yeah, there's a few. Yeah, well done, lads. Keep it up, and we absolutely love Neil Warnock, don't we, on this podcast? So even if we go down, we still fucking love Neil Warnock. Let's, let's <laughs> keep it there. But right, guys. So I think that finishes the Middlesbrough performance, and this week's been a, an interesting week. So you guys can repeat after me. I pledge allegiance. To the pod of Andy Takes That Chance and to the Republic of which it stands, one nation under God, etc., etc. Kevin Nagel's put his head, hasn't he, above the parapet this week. Um, I think the uh, the media was probably circling around this mystery uh, buyer. And here he is, uh, Kevin Nagel. Quickly popped his head up to say hello and then quickly retreated, didn't he? Just sort of saying you've got to respect the process, etc. Um, and uh, when once it's complete, I think he'll will, uh, reappear again. Um which, which is interesting, but I think a lot of people have questions. Uh, a lot of fans have questions. There's some excitement, isn't there? Some trepidation. Um, I think there's probably quite a lot that we we need to sort of uh, find out about him. You know, for for example, who is Kevin Nagel? You know, what wealth does he have? What's his motivation for coming to the UK? Uh, you know, his track record in sport. You know, why is he? Why has Dean Hall picked him uh, or done the deal with him when there were other parties available? Um, Will his investment be accompanied by a consortium, as mentioned by the Daily Mail, Matt Hughes Daily Mail? Or um, if so, what does that entail? What does it mean? Who's involved? Uh, how will the deal be structured or funded? Will he load the club with debt? Will he use his own money, etc.? There's there, there are questions there. You know, what will happen with the stadium is a, is a really key issue. Um, where is the share in the stadium? Will it be put in a trust? Will it be sold to the Americans? Um what will the top to bottom approach be on the football inside? Will he go from Moneyball youth development, um, appoint a director of football, go that way, the traditional English side? And how's he going to get sort of the fans back on board if the you know if the club's relegated? Um, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? He's got his uh, his hands full, if you like. So um, it's it's going to be an interesting ride, and we don't know an awful lot about him, do we? So. Um, uh, if he wants to come on the podcast and uh, introduce himself and have a chat with us, that would be fantastic. We'd be all up for that. He, he looks like he's got a decent sense of humour, judging by some of the tweets he's been liking uh, in response to him taking over and you know following some town fans. He does seem to have a, a good sense of humour and uh, I've watched one or two YouTube videos and interviews with him as well. And he's, he's an interesting character. Um, I think we'll definitely certainly enjoy Kevin Nagel. Um, in the meantime, we've we've now found ourselves a sister club as well, haven't we, to support in the USA? Johnny's already been looking at the results of Sacramento Republic. Um, I looked at the shirts online just to have a look at them, see if they're any good, etc. Um, so, what we did was so to learn about Kevin Nagel, Brady, who who tends to do all the work around here these days, asked Sharon Anderson from the State of the Republic podcast for the lowdown on our new mustachioed friend, and here's what she had to say. 
Hello there. This is Sharon Anderson, and you've asked me a question of what has Kevin Nagel been like as an owner for Sacramento Republic and his relationship with the fans. Well, here's the deal. Kevin Nagel is a philanthropist at heart, and I know he has a really big heart and a super soft spot for everything going on in the Sacramento region. He owns several properties um, here and there throughout the region, and truly enjoys coming to all the Sacramento Republic matches. His favorite thing to do is anything benevolent with respect to the community. So here's the deal. He does so much work and has hired such good people to get involved with the community that it does not go unnoticed. If it weren't for him making sure that, that we had the right people in place, we wouldn't have oodles of community involvement. We've refurbished not we, me, but the Sac Republic front office has been part and participle to refurbishing old basketball and tennis courts so that they are now futsal courts and they're freshly painted and they're also in areas where they're needed the most. His relationship with the fans is a wee bit different because we don't always get a chance to interact with him, but when he is ever at one of the big public events, He's more than gracious, as I have found. I actually sit sometimes in a section where his table is, and he's very uh, cordial. He greets all of us with warmth and with respect, and he'll even share his thoughts about things. Um, so how are we reacting to the news of Kevin Nagel's interest in buying Huddersfield's town? Well, it's mixed, of course, because... Anytime you hear of, and I believe he's a billionaire, but you, it might not be true, but whatever. Anytime you hear that um, the majority owner and you know the CEO of Sac Republic is planning to take investments elsewhere, he's been doing that sort of investment, not necessarily with teams, but with ventures uh, all his life. So for me, particularly, it's kind of a nice uh, it's kind of a welcome thing. We just hope it's not going to be like a Rexford experiment or Rexham. Sorry, excuse me, edit. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, if it provides for a better platform for either Sac Republic or for Huddersfield Town, I think personally, I think it's kind of cool. Um, we just want to make sure that he and he has agreed and he has promised that his interest in Sac Republic and taking us to a level of building a stadium in the rail yards, that won't diminish. Actually, I think the mm, partnerships always seem to build on each other. And right now, soccer is just building and building. Let's face it, 2026, we're going to be hosting the World Cup, the Men's World Cup here in the United States, Canada and Mexico. And it makes sense that, you know, we have deeper relationships everywhere. Like I said, though, Sacramento fans are, it's, it's a little bit mixed. So you, we know you've seen some criticism for Nagel and his ability to turn Sacramento Republic into an MLS team. So some of the criticisms would be that whoever he had put in place to make sure that any investor, otherwise known as Ron Burkle, had signed on the dotted line uh, because there was no contract in place that forced Burkle to stay with uh, the investment when he when Burkle walked 
he just walked. There was no contract. There was just all promises and, you know, all of that. So I don't fault Kevin Nagel. I would say that uh, that's actually the people who weren't able to get Burkle to sign on the dotted line. However, let's face it, during that whole time period, a lot of things were in flux. COVID hit. Um, you know, just just a lot of different things kind of happened at that time period. And I can understand um, all the reasoning and everything that goes behind it. However, that being said, we don't know if we're getting any help from MLS, the league itself, to uh, find additional investors. Let's face it, there are billionaires all over the place. And somebody out there, I don't care who, a consortium, should be interested in Sac Republic as an MLS team because MLS actually does want us. And I think it would be a, a it would be a welcome addition to the West Coast and it'd be a welcome addition to the conference. We would be kind of like, you know, some of the, um, I don't know, I, it would be, it would be really awesome to see us go forward versus, well, in addition to San Diego or Las Vegas or whomever else is lined up. We actually have really decent weather for the most part, if you think about Las Vegas, unless it's an indoor stadium, or if you think of um, Phoenix, unless those are indoor stadiums, it's nasty playing in the heat of the summer there. At least if if we had something, in, by the time the evening rolls around in Sacramento, our evenings are beautiful. They're pleasant. The Delta breeze kicks in because we live near the Sacramento River Delta, and it's just fabulous. Our evenings are spectacular, and a lot of people... Um, brag about being able to sit out until midnight, you know, and not be bothered by the heat or anything like that. So, um, so some of the criticisms might be fair based on, you know, not getting an investor to sign on the dotted line a few years ago and having that walk. But at the end of the day, we just have to, you know, keep working. So as far as my experience as a Republic fan, what would you guys expect from Nagel? Oh my goodness, you guys can expect somebody who is actually incredibly interested in building a squad, and that's what he's done for us. He has released funding. I mean, we have some really good people in place. We have Todd Donovan, you know, Coach Briggs, and they've really pitched. Um, and he also has a few consultants on the side. I won't name names. Um, but they've been able to bring in really good quality players, really good quality uh, staff, Uh, it's like that's what Kevin will do he now understands the sport he understood sports in the past and he really understands soccer and the need to build um, a good franchise so I don't know if if Huddersfield has fallen the you know by the way of oh goodness I mean I've read some of the critiques of Huddersfield town that you know the players care less at this point and looks like everybody's going through the motions I think uh, re-energization is is something that Kevin has been able to provide with the coaching staff, with the fan base. Um, They really have some good people in the front office that continue to unpack the story and get the fan base to really come along. And we also, our Tower Bridge Battalion had kind of a nice uh, turnover recently and they've gotten incredibly more involved and they've been very good about meeting with the front office staff with you know Todd Donovan and others to convey messages to the fan base that normally wouldn't reach everybody so and the messaging is you know things just common things um 
excitement things, uh, events. It's, we really have enjoyed that relationship growing better. And I don't know, I think you guys can expect something incredibly different. Transparency is one of the things that uh, recently has bloomed more. I think the fans have asked for more communication. They've asked for different things and we've seen the club respond. The club has sent out surveys and questionnaires and rate the game, rate your experience at the match. What would you like to see different? Whatever people are responding with, they're actually taking into heart, taking to heart and doing certain things. Um, when I say they, I say the club. So I think all of that has really built a much more cohesive front. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. And, you know, we have the Sac Republic has their own podcast called The Breakaway. And that's been super valuable. Um, we just, things are just have been very different in the last couple of years and built a lot more excitement. And let's face it, the players love playing in front of this fan base. It's not as big as, you know, Premier League teams, but it's definitely big for the area and it's big for USL and it's actually decent size for MLS. So is there anything else Huddersfield Town fans should know about Nagel? You know, he he's a private man. I think he's a bit of an introvert, but he just loves community so much that if any of the fans and uh, front office folks start collaborating on things that are meaningful for the region, like, you know, helping food banks, you know, helping um, medical community or not the medical community, but, you know, the, the give back, anything that gives back to community. If, if the fans align with whomever Nagel puts in place, if he does, in fact, you know, buy the, the team, you're going to have it's going to have a whole different feel. You'll have a feeling of investment. And, um, you know, he's, like I said, he's a bit of a shy guy, a little more so, but he does like a good party. He loves a good game. Uh, you know, it's just, if you ask for something, you, you may get it there. It's, it's very different. So just keep an open mind and, and definitely keep the communications open, I would say, and demand that your front office kind of respond and keeps communications open. And that if you have a supporters group or a supporters union like what we do, uh, make sure that they stay invested with the front office and, you know, go hand in hand and um, away you go. You know, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun ride. Everybody here is waiting to see exactly what happens. You know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But we're kind of excited to see exactly what does happen. So wishing you all luck. Um, I see you got a point over the weekend. Excellent. Or your point out of relegation. I think you made have one. But if you did, congratulations. I haven't uh, watched the results lately. Been too focused on uh, doing some other things and getting my head wrapped around. The fact that we have a match tonight uh, in Sacramento. Um, okay. Take care. And thank you for the questions. Bye-bye now. Cozzy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, guys, so I've, I've mentioned little bits and Sharon's had, a, had a, her word there. Thanks to Sharon for 
uh, providing us with that. Um, he seems to be quite community based in a lot of what he does. Um, he seems to be. Um, I watched the video pause. I think you've seen the video, haven't you? Where with the futsal with Sacramento, they've introduced all the futsal pitches, haven't they? Across um, mm. Sacramento and California, he seems to be very community focused, and I can kind of see little bits of why Dean Hoyle would have picked him now. Maybe Do you know with with how sort of um, benevolent he is to the community. You look when you think of Dean Hoyle, you think of bike rides, you think of feeding hungry kids at breakfast time, and and all these things which. Uh, make you make you proud to be honest as a Huddersfield Town fan that the club does things in the community and he's gone and picked somebody um, from America who does a similar sort of thing over there so it's going to be important to see how he engages isn't it and to me I know people some people turn up pause don't they and just sort of say football for me is three o'clock till 4.45 anything else I'm not interested but people like us we're quite interested in stuff like this and we quite like our football club to do things don't we inside uh, its postcode area <clears throat> yeah, um, I think you know football is such a big thing these days. It is much, oh, it's becoming a hell of a lot more than just your, you know, your Saturday, um, you know, three till five <coughs> kind of thing. Getting Johnny's cold, in. Um, yeah, um, there's a lot going on um, with football clubs these days, and you know, sports coverage in general. Um, you know, it's pretty much twenty four seven in it. Whenever you put your phone up, whenever you turn a TV program on, there's you can find information about sport. The, the clubs kind of, you know, ram it down your throat with you know constant information coming out and stuff like that. And I think um, you know you, you kind of can't not get involved in the off the field stuff these days. You, you've got to pay a little bit of interest to it, uh, if nothing else. And I, I agree with what you say there, Matt, about the, the community stuff. I think that's a, a major thing. It was a you know town foundation game on Saturday. There were there were loads of kids there that had been invited down by by the town foundation, free tickets for stuff like good behaviour at school, good attendance and stuff like that. And I think it's a really good initiative. That's about like a punishment initially, does that? But... Well, yeah, well, Saturday were a good one for them to come to, wasn't it? So, you know, <laughs> yeah, some of them might be back. Um, but I always think if, you, if you've if you got a stadium and there's 10,000 spare seats in there, you know, get 5,000 filled by giving away tickets or incentives or however that may work, just because if a 1,000 of those people decide to come back, potentially there you've got a 1,000 new fans through not a right lot of effort. Um, yeah, if he if comes in and, and kind of picks up and continues that sort of role that, that Dean, you know, implemented with the foundation and, you know, looks to expand that, then that can only benefit Uddersfield Town and, and Uddersfield in general. Um, I'm not speaking from somebody who doesn't even live in Uddersfield, but, you know, if they can promote things in, in schools and try to get these fans hooked uh, from an early age, um, you know, it's only going to benefit us in the long run, isn't it? Because as you know, they come home nagging, you know, it's like those people with kids, you know, they want to do something and you end up taking them and then, you know, next thing you know, it becomes a habit and, and you're forking over 500 quid a year to for a season ticket kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's a really kind of, it's a marketing tool as well as a community project. And, and if they work hand in hand, then, you know, it benefits everybody. Johnny, um, you must have questions about the, the ownership. You're a man who uh, has his eye on the money, aren't you? So uh, what have you made of, the announcement of Kevin Nagel and I'm sure you've got questions yourself that you want to ask given the opportunity. Well, a lot of the ones you, you said at the, the onset, really, they're kind of the key ones, which I guess will come out in time. I quite I quite like that. It's just kind of the statement he released, really. I think you see so many new owners or people who flirt around football clubs 
and don't have a real right to kind of say, well, they're not, they're not bought it. They're kind of just thinking about it or like that at Sheffield United and Bassini and the guy they wanted to buy Derby before it ultimately all looked to be fake. People blow a lot of hot air around buying football clubs. So I'm quite, I, I don't mind him being a bit kind of matter of fact at this stage. I, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, let's get the job done and then we can hear a bit more about what he wants to do. I find it interesting why Huddersfield. Um, I think there's a lot of positives to buy Huddersfield, but then I'm a Huddersfield fan from Huddersfield. So I'm a little bit biased towards that. So I think it'll be interesting to understand his reasons for buying a football club. Football club in this country don't make money. Um, so is it the fact he wants to kind of go on a bit of a journey with Huddersfield and, and, and put some money into it? So you'd hope. But yeah, just to understand a bit more around his rationale. Um, I think the interview that we've heard um, ticks the boxes initially. Do you know what I mean? He, he, he's, he's kind of, obviously he's community focused. He's he's quite um, sensible with, with what he looks to do. Um, he wants to run the football club, so it's going to be around in the next 10, 15, 20 years, which was a, a key parameter for me for any owner. I'm not interested in gambling the next four years and not having a football club. So I think he's he's clearly in that mindset. Um, but yeah, I, like you say, it's just a little bit more about what his ambitions are, why Huddersfield, what, what's, what, what's he looking to do? Is he wanting to move into the UK? He's got, he, he clearly got his fingers in a few pies. I had his fingers in a few pies across the US sport, obviously Sacramento, but there's, there's kind of bits and pieces around um, hockey basketball teams that team. he's been part in basketball as well. So um, that, that potentially makes sense. We, we're available. If he's kind of now wanting to make the move and we're an available club in, in a reasonable price range, that might be why. Um, but yeah, I think on the face of it, fair enough. He looks to seem a reasonable guy. I'm quite happy with what he's said so far. A bit strange why it was kept under wraps. Um, but who knows what the rationale again behind that was. But yeah, it's just like, the, the, really, it's the headline questions that, I mean, everyone's thinking what, what you said at the beginning there, just to understand what his vision is. Um, I also think it'd be quite interesting, and I don't think we'll necessarily get this, but the question you've asked there, which I didn't, hadn't really crossed my mind, but why, why this guy from, from Dean's perspective as well, I think would be interesting, whether that's worth a lot, possibly not. It's largely irrelevant, but I think that would be an interesting um question to be able to ask as well what what he's seen in him um which do you know I mean? there's a few things which touched on which kind of align to I mean Dean's ideology of how to run a football club it's more than just three o'clock it is the community around it and the longevity of a football club but yeah I think like you say we'll see what happens so far so good for me um but time will tell certainly not an attention seeker is he who's uh, no his wallet I, around him. yeah and that's what I mean. And that's a good thing because I'm not, I'm not interested in that. So you could have someone make a massive statement. Yeah, we're going to be in the Premier League in three years. I mean, blank checkbook. You watch this face. But I mean, how many times you see that work? Not often. So, Hull, Hull, the guy at Hull, uh, I know I speak to the guy who, who runs the whole podcast and he's absolutely effusive in his praise for um, the guy, Alakan Ilakai, isn't it? Um, mm. But, you know, for me, I'd, I'd cringe at some of the stuff where he sort of, you know, he's he's some of the stuff and the stuff he does is great. You know, the paid holidays for fans of Turkey and and all that sort of stuff. But you know how he's talking about the Premier League and how they're going to go out and splash money here and there, and it just you just kind of want them just to you you want your owner to kind of like be more background noise than foreground noise, don't you? And you know, it, it certainly ticks a box for my preference anyway. So far, does. 
does Kevin Nagel. Um, Phil, any thoughts on Mr. Nagel? No, not really. I don't really. It's not a lot out there, is there? No, I'm just a little bit good. Like, I liked having a fan that was a chairman. I don't like change. Um, (laughs) Obviously, we we, we, we need change, except I don't. um, But um, I, I just want us to be competitive. I just want us to be sensible and competitive. That's it. Uh, I love the community stuff. I think what Dean's done with the community is absolutely brilliant. We we need to start, we need to get more fans into the ground. We need more younger fans. That's the basis of any club. You've got to get that younger generation. We've had that. Um, we need to keep that going. I just want us to be competitive. And my my, my own issue is that we, we don't know much about him. So instead of kind of like making any assumptions, it's kind of a wait and see thing. And and that's quite nerve unnerving. Because you, you don't know what you're going to get. How much money has he got? How often is he going to be here? How, how hands-on is he going to be? Um, like you say, you've answered it all. Why is he doing it? What's he going to get out of it? You know, a little Huddersfield and you come from America. And, do you know what I mean? It's a bit different when you've got your Dean Hoyles, who's, who's a fan and, and passionate about, you know, improving your club, etc. But why is this geezer coming here and, and taking us over? And hopefully it'll be, it'll be you know, perfect. But... I don't know. It's, it's one of those wait and see things for me, but um, I think that's the yeah. sensible, definitely the sensible approach, though. Yeah, I'm loving his tat. <laughs> it's a belter, isn't it? Proper Ron Bergen, do I mean, he might come over and he might shave it off, so I might not get. <laughs> I think just just picking up on the sort of maybe why Huddersfield. I know I you know there's there's not much online about him. He's really not a public man, is it? From what from what you can see, if you just sort of Google him, there's very little that that comes back. But I did read that he were you know, trying to get Sacramento into the uh, MLS, which obviously costs a vast... It's about 500 million. Three, 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 million, yeah. It's a lot of money in it to get in there. And I always have this... Uh, I might be doing him a disservice with this sort of theory, but I just think Americans, they, they come across as sort of quite vain people. And, you know, he's, he's tried his luck to, to become like a, a a name in America and football. So he's sort of, if I can get Huddersfield across, it's, it's probably not going to cost me as much and and we can get them up to the Premier League and, and then I can kind of be in charge of a, a top flight club and that, that holds a good standing in, you know, sporting world and stuff like that. So there's a reason as to why and then, you know, that's my thinking. And then if we get up, would he look to sell? Uh, the club would obviously be worth a hell of a lot more and he can make a lot of money out of it. But, you know, as you say, Phil, time time will tell. Um, it, is, it is a bit strange why a fellow from California would buy a, a club in Huddersfield. <laughs> okay, so it seems to be that Dean's writing... The debt off isn't it? Oh, he's, he's right. He's, oh, he seems to be writing uh, a lot of what's what's owed or well, what sort of owed to him off. And if if the deal's cheap to do uh, for Kevin Nagel, then the, I suppose if he improves Huddersfield, and Huddersfield move up the league, then the value of Huddersfield Town goes up, and he can start selling stakes. And what Americans tend to do quite a lot is to sell percentages and stakes within a club, don't they? And others like to invest and, and then that's why there's questions about the stadium and the area around the stadium is so pertinent as well is what would they want to do with that? Would they want to invest in, in the stadium? Would they want to buy the rope walk and et cetera and, and do things, a uh, gas club, you know, and, and all this stuff, you know, there's a lot of Americans love real estate, don't they? You know, McDonald's is you know, famously not a fast food restaurant, but a real estate business, you know, and, and stuff like that. It's, um, that's that's not strictly true, by the way. They do do fast food, obviously, but, uh, but the real estate is 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 an intriguing part of it. And so I, I do wonder. There are a lot of questions about what what he will do, and and I'm with Phil as well. It's like why would you know? I, I think Huddersfield's a great club. Me, I think it's got great fans. It's in a 
a good spot. It's got a great history. It's got a lot of potential for me. And so does Field Town. It could it could go up to the Premier League with the right owners and it could sit there for a little bit, just like Crystal yeah, Palace yeah. have done, Bournemouth have done. Um, and then it can be sold on. But I I just I'm just sort of wondering, you know, why why Huddersfield? Why not Preston or why not or why not, you know, someone else, you know, um Norwich or something. But I suppose when it when he gets uh, his feet under the desk we'll we'll get answers to that, which will be uh, quite good. So um, obviously, with Kevin Nagel being linked, or Kevin Nagel being announced, I should say, people are now being linked with with roles. And this week, Alan Nixon has linked the ex Stoke City director of football, Mark Cartwright, with a role at Huddersfield Town. Now, I would personally implore Huddersfield Town to swerve Mark Cartwright. I know Mark Cartwright's over in America, isn't he? Is the uh, I think he's the technical director of the USL uh, over there. I would instead look across the M62 to a man working absolute wonders at Bolton Wanderers. Chris Markham was at Huddersfield Town until 2017. He did a lot of work on signing players like Jonathan Hogg, Naki Wells, and more importantly, he was the man who did the scouting work and recommended town legend Christopher Schindler. Where would we be without him? Where would the podcast be without him? Uh, Chris left Huddersfield to join the FA where he built up some very good links with some of the best coaches in the country, uh, did a lot of analysis work for the England team. From there, he was headhunted by Bolton Wanderers uh, in League Two to be technical director, and he helped build a team to get promoted from League Two. Then they've had year-on-year improvement within League One, and, and this year, Bolton have just won the Johnston's Paint Trophy today, uh, which is why it's fresh in my head. They're in the top six, um, looking good for you know a playoff slot. Um He's he's done it all on a shoestring without much of a budget. He's used his contacts to bring in really good young loanees like Shortire from Man United and Bradley from Liverpool. Some guy called Luke and Betty, who knows where he came from. Uh, he's helped pick out some rough diamonds as well. Aaron Morley from Rochdale and and they've really bloomed and and you know he's become one of the best League One midfielders this season. He's he's a top man. He's got the eye for players. He's got a very good network and most importantly, he's a Huddersfield Town man. Go get him signed, Huddersfield Town. That's if he'll take the job. But, you know, for me, Chris, Mark, no, never mind Mark Cartwright. There's a man here that you could plug straight in, a man with the contacts, a man with, you know, a man who knows the area, the club, etc. It's a no-brainer for me. Go get Chris Mark. Johnny's nodding, so I'll go to you, Johnny. I was going to say there were three um, three ex-town players in that starting lineup today for Bolton. If anyone can um, name them quickly. Kachunga, but no, yeah. I mean, Kachunga Scott. Dem- Dempsey is a bit of a blast for the pass as well. He's had a bit of a, a, a round. His hair a little bit annoyed at the front, to, just slightly. To them, it? But, um, yeah, I mean, I must admit, I, I struggled to comment much really because I, I don't know, I don't know either too well. Um, that's assuming we don't keep Bromby. So again, we've 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 spoken both positively and negatively. I think quite accurately on 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 Bromby. Um, again, what role he takes up, whether he this is to replace Baldwin. Um, what that kind of setup looks like, it could well change, um, like you say. But it, it's it's important that because this whoever takes up this role is going to be not just kind of looking to kind of come in steadily um, in a, in a handover capacity and get the feet on the table quietly. They're going to the first job's been quite quickly to appoint a manager or a head coach, which is going to be massive. Um, there's going to be quite a large recruitment job whichever league we're in, which is going to be massive, either a promotion push from League One or looking to not be in this situation next year um, in the Championship. So the who, the who's and where's 
probably not best qualified to, to, to talk about, but absolutely it's it's a critical part of the jigsaw going forward. It needs to be someone that's um, capable of, of, of doing that. So, I mean, the CV you've read off there kind of looks quite attractive from a, from a town fan point of view, but it's absolutely crucial. Somebody, those conversations happening now, because we can't we can't be waiting around trying to find a manager, trying to find someone to take up those reins and, and players because deals happen now. I mean, not necessarily in, in, in July. So, yeah, it's absolutely critical. No, it's, it's no one else. It's, no. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest decisions we'll, we'll make for a long time, this, because we've made so many errors, haven't we? And, and it needs stability. So, um, like you say, it, it needs someone. I'm not bothered about big names. It doesn't need to be a big name. It doesn't need to be an ex-player, etc. or whatever. It just needs to be someone who's, who's highly skilled at what they do. And, and, and obviously you mentioned him out there he's, he's doing a fantastic job in here at Bolton um, and, and, and that's what we need we need someone ready made someone who's got ideas their own way their own philosophy etc um, which suits us as a club um, I'd probably I'll, take Everett I'd probably take Everett as well uh, yeah. That, oh yeah I would yeah. I, I love the football Bolton player it'd be, be mm. fantastic I'm not sure I think Ian Everett would be tough to get away from Bolton Bolton are a, a good club aren't they um, yeah I'm saying Chris Markham because I know Chris is a Huddersfield fan, so you know the lure of going to your home team or hometown just, team. Just big, spinning, but... spinning round a few times and showing the ground, it looks familiar <laughs> enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just the corners, yeah. Just the corners. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I'd, it'd be a great double act with that in the Championship, especially with being able to play that kind of football in the Championship. I'd love it, but you know, mm. fingers crossed that they, uh, they do make the right decisions. And of course, Lee Bromby's not out of a job either, is he, at the minute? Um, I think everybody is, is just assuming that it will be the case because he was pushed to the side somewhat, wasn't he, in January and Baldwin came in and made you know the majority, the majority of the signings in January, which is unusual when you already have a man in post. So um, interesting. So interesting times ahead for sure. And the final topic on the agenda now is that this week, DeZone have bid for the rights to the EFL, which could see the end of the Saturday 3 p.m. Blackout. So we asked for your inputs on Twitter a couple of days ago, and it stirred a pretty good debate. So I'm at the minute open. I have an open mind, but I'm going to contradict myself by saying I'm also incredibly against this idea at the moment, but I'm happy to have my mind changed going forward. But I'll tell you why I'm against it as well. So football to me is not and never should be just a TV show. Someone has that pinned on their bio, don't they, pause on Twitter. Um, what makes football are the fans, the colours, the noise. We all saw how shite football was in the COVID season and how it missed the fans in the ground. And I know TV won't, you know, putting games on at three o'clock won't minimise it to that level, of course. But at the top level as well, they don't need to worry about moving a, a 3 p.m. blackout because people are naturally attracted to you know, the big games, Manchester United, Manchester Cities, and they won't have any issues with that, but they have to be mindful or the football authorities have to be mindful further down the pyramid. We've seen over the last few years, the negative impact that the midweek, midweek red buttons game, sorry, I said that again, the negative impact that the midweek red button games have on attendances, you know, just look back to town versus Norwich the other week. There's about 7,000 people there. Um, midweek games are really poorly attended across the championship. I'd love to see the figures, the actual figures of people in the ground, not not just the tickets sold. Uh, the people that do turn up tend to be season ticket holders as well. I'd be interested to see 
the walk-ups in particular for midweek. Um, and I've seen people say, yeah, but you can get streams or you can get IPTV so it won't have any effect. And I understand where they're coming from, but I do completely disagree at the same time. And I disagree because one, streams are illegal and they can be shut down mid-game. They can buffer, not appear. Uh, IPTV is illegal. It's not as widely spread as people think. Pozza doesn't have it, for example, because it's too tight. Your game's a, a game. Law, that is why, mate. Exactly. <laughs> a man of, man of principle. Man Your of game's principle. a game. They can buffer. You need a VPN. You need a Fire Stick or a box. They're not in HD. And again, it's not reliable. Um, I know some people come at me now and say, oh, my IPTV is reliable. And good for you. Um, if you introduce a legal stream whereby people can buy it at the start of the season, they'll get pre and post match coverage, HD games. They can watch it in their own house and from the pub. Uh, and most importantly, have reliability from a single app without the hassle that IPTV brings, then you've got a problem because the people in the grounds when it's red button midweek are the season card holders. They're, they're there out of a sense of duty or because they have to watch the games. Um, and if you introduce a service where people can buy it instead of a season card and people can then take the easy option for the season and not just the midweek games, what you'll get is you'll get a massive reduction in season ticket holders, especially for those clubs who aren't up there challenging and who are just in the middle or maybe towards the bottom. Um, with this, you can watch it at home or in the pub. You know, I'm talking about attendances for Huddersfield town for um, Blackpool, etc. Um there's no walk-up in terms of finances. There's no walk-up. There's no spending at the ground. Um, that may be covered by the TV deal, okay? Um, and I do understand that there are people that live miles away, uh, that they can't, you know, older people sometimes can't make it, and I do uh, understand that. And maybe they sh they could geolock, you know, on a 3 p.m., maybe it could be geolock, so outside of a 50-mile radius or something uh, from the stadium, which is possible. But the knock-on effect for me, Further down the pyramid, you know, for those that play football on a Saturday, for those that go watch non-league games, uh, it's going to be so detrimental that it will kill the EFL as a spectacle as much. Because when you watch it on TV, you love the buzz of the crowd, the hubbub going on, the noise. And if there's nothing there and it's, it's one man and his dog and there's a, a reduction in attendance, the, the product becomes less interesting. And, and people have mentioned the whole ITV digital thing where it, it went bust. Now, DAZN, I don't think it's going bust because... They've got the boxing and they've got other things, and they've got strong arms, etc. Um, but for me, it will absolutely kill the in the in stadium experience, or it will vastly reduce it. And I am really against that as someone that goes to these games. Um, it, it, you know, we, we've seen it, haven't we? We've seen an empty stadium and how dull and boring it is. And that's one of the reasons why I don't want to go down to League One with 50 away fans. The away fans themselves we've seen a big reduction in Huddersfield Town away fans in the last couple of years um, you know we used to be one of the top seven or eight uh, followers in the country uh, in the sorry in the, in the championship and now we're sort of back towards the bottom and it's definitely the result but this is this season and last season and for me definitely illegal streaming has been a huge part of this and to make it legally streamed when it's not when it's not mainstream there's a lot of stream talk here um Will, will further reduce that. And I just think it will reduce football as a spectacle and make it a duller affair. So I am against the 3 p.m. blackout. Johnny, you're for it? Yeah, for is probably a strong word, but I don't I don't see it having 
quite as detrimental impact as 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 you do because it's live sport now. If we if we take a quick poll here, given the choice, who would rather be at a ground than think I can sit and watch it on my sofa? I I certainly would rather be at the ground. Now I understand what you said. I do think you'll have certain people situation based, geographically based, financially based, <clears throat> who might decide to sit on the sofa and watch it or buy a package um, rather than go to the ground. But I don't think we'll see attendances drop to mean five, six thousand pounds on a Saturday afternoon because people would rather sit on the sofa than be there. I think yesterday's game was an absolute textbook example of why I don't see that happening. There's some times that I can't go to a game and I'll watch it. We'll leave how to one side. But if I'd have been sat on my sofa watching mm-hmm. yesterday, I would have been sick not to have been there. For the second goal, the third goal and the fourth goal, absolutely sick. I'm probably begrudging the reason as to why. So I think you've got to remember that there's a certain drive, there's a certain desire, a certain passion, a cult following that lower clubs, I understand we're saying about Premier League and that's, that is different. So we can put that to one side. And to a certain extent, some top championship teams have an equal kind of level of following. It's not necessarily got a major impact. But your smaller clubs, your Atkinson, your Shrewsbury, your teams like that, who might get during four to, to, to eight to 9,000. I still think it, it's local people supporting the local team. And the local people supporting the local team are going to still go. I, I, I don't see many fans that are going to Accrington because let's be honest, you're not going to watch quality football. You're going because that's your team. It was your dad's team. It was your mum's team and generations previously. I don't see those people choosing to not go to the ground and get that experience. It's like I listen to music but I'll go see a band live because it's like nothing else. It's not, it's not like watching it or, or listening to it on Spotify. And I think that, that, is, that is where I'm coming from. I completely understand with, with your side. If that was the way it went, I think it'd be the worst thing ever. But I don't see there being too much of a negative impact. We've seen a very small trial with the National League as well. We've got the lower clubs um, and you know I mean? all people who might be weekend followers because their team's away. They're, they're, I mean, their first team's away, they might go as second team. And it's, it, streaming's been around for, I think, about 15 to 18 games now. And there's, there's not been a drop-off in attendances. Completely different league, small sample size. Hard, hard I'll say to that, though. Was it, was it known at that. the start of the season when it came to people buying season cards? So it, that's that's the thing. It's You're giving people the option there, season card or stream. And that's But that's again, I've made the argument that your season card buyers, they are your cult following. They are your brick following. You're going to have peaks and troughs based on success. You do get a lot of floaters, don't you? Especially at Huddersfield. You do. You can see the the red button differences in the championship, can't you? You can see what it was like a few years ago to what it's like this season, uh, pre and post COVID. And and it's, I know midweek's different. I don't don't think it's fair to use midweek red button games as an indicator. I'm using using midweek. I'm um, using midweek pre and post red button. Well, midweek in general then, because there's a, I reckon if we've got 16,000 season ticket holders, a good percentage of those people will not be able to make a midweek game, regardless of whether they come up with it on the stream or not, working away, childcare commitments, work, et cetera, et cetera. I think I get what you're saying. If you look historically across every match ever, midweek attendance will generally be lower now. So I don't I don't think it's fair to use that as a as a an exact reason. I can see I can see your point. Yeah, if, if it's cold and wet and windy, will you watch it on telly rather than going out and cold to watch it? Maybe. But you know, you cited that Norwich game as an example. 
how many would have been there if it had been on stream? I bet it would have probably been about the same amount anyway. Because like Johnny says, people go to watch these games for the It was, wasn't it? It was, it, it, was, it, was, it was the game on Sky, wasn't it? And, and things like that. So I think it's... I think it's I'm, I'm kind of where Johnny is on this. Um, I can see pros and cons to it. I think one of the big things is what would they do with the money? How would that come in going think players if, players back pockets you know that we both well, know that don't if we? it does come in i think the league would have to step in and and say what will happen with this this extra money and one of the biggest things for me would be to introduce a ticket price uh, a price cap on tickets and that money would subsidize the gate receipts because i think as johnny's quite rightly mentions if you're gonna go watch live sport you're gonna go watch it you're not going to, I mean, you talk about season ticket or streaming, I'd probably buy both because I'd maybe watch a few away games that I wouldn't go to, but I wouldn't decide not to go to Barnsley, for example, so I could watch it on telly, but I might watch it on telly against Watford rather than go to Watford because there's a massive difference in how much it'll cost to do those two things. So I think if you're going to go, you're going to go. And if you're not, you know, if you've got a stream as a backup, then you'll watch other games that you weren't going to go to, so they're getting your money that way. So the financial impact is, you know, you're probably going to fork out twice. I think I think that's an, it is a key point. Now, I guess it's not the fact that I completely disagree with with what Matt's saying. I mean, I have similar concerns. Um, I think it's just whether you can come into some sort of happy medium, like you've said there, Pozzo. And I think it is it is protecting that protecting the extra broadcast revenue or a certain percentage of it to actually make football a bit more affordable. I still think it's ludicrous how expensive football is. Um, we don't have the away cap like they do in the Premier League. I think that must be an absolute necessity if within lifting the blackout. So there are things of good you can potentially do um, alongside that. Um, and open it to, like I say, open it to people who are, I mean, expats of Huddersfield, but within the UK as well. Um, I think there's potential there to kind of build a slightly bigger following, maybe encourage a few people back towards watching Huddersfield who might who might have been turned off it because they live away and they can't access it, they can't see, they can't come, who might potentially come to more games because they revive their interest. There are there are certain green shoots of positivity around it, but I also have the same reservations that, that Matt does as well. And I think it needs if it's done, it needs to be done in a very careful way where these areas of concern are looked at. It's not just purely done financially, commercially, like Phil said at the beginning, and then some good can be done off the back of it because there will have to be an increase in revenue stream because more games have been shown. The product is wider and service offerings wider widening, and that can benefit fans as well um, through the back door. So I think I don't sit firmly and absolutely do it, but I think if we're going to do it, I think let's try and make it as a positive way we can do. I'll give you some examples. So I, I've, I know two or three I've got two or three mates who every every year when it comes to a season ticket go, I don't know if I'll get a season card this year. I might pick and choose games that I go to. And, and they invariably end up going, oh, I'll just buy a season ticket. If you put a valid streaming product in front of them, they wouldn't get a season card. I know 100% they would not if they could watch it every week and then pick and choose. And the problem that it happens then is habit. is such a strong thing with going to watch football games. It, once you get into the habit of going to games, it becomes part of your routine, part of everything. And once you break that routine, it's hard to get people back into the ground as well. Um, so I know there will be a lot of people who would take the easy option of, walk, of watching at home. And I'm, I'm not saying it's not going to be a great option for people who can't make it. There's, you know, like you, Johnny, you live Preston area. Like for you or for people that live further away, you know, it, it'd be fantastic for them, especially, you know, midweek games, et cetera, if they haven't got Sky. Um but for me, I, I know quite a few people that just go, I'm going to pick and choose and get the streaming product. 
and then get out of the habit of going. And that's what worries me, especially if you're not doing well. If you're not doing well, and it, and it's and it, and really the people that turn up at Huddersfield are pretty much ninety percent season card holders, aren't they? Once they've got, once they've got it, that they're, they're hooked in, and once they haven't got that season card, that's where my worries start to start to appear. But Phil, you've not set out on this. You, um, I've said you've got to. They're all valid points. I mean, I, I was talking before. I wish my kids from school could listen to this conversation. I'm just teaching about this topic um, with commercialisation. There's pros and cons for every single aspect. So you, you look at your spectators, you look at your club, you look at your businesses, media. There's pros and cons for, for all of it. Um, so I think it's very difficult. Pause has some great point, uh, points in terms of uh, capping because if, if clubs aren't, if you're not getting this, the footfall in your grounds and what the club's going to do, they're going to start raising the prices of the tickets which is going to have an effect on, on your, your diehard fans who go year in, year out. Um, but going back to what you said, Matt, there, I think it's the fact that it's going to make it, like you've said, really easy for people just to say, I'm not going to go tonight. And, and I think that's, that's for me, that's the biggest one. And, and, and thinking about that again on top of it, it's like the away games. You've highlighted the away games already, but how easy is it now just to say, yeah, well, it's a, I know so someone who got IPTV 12 months ago and they've not been to an away game this season and they used to yeah. do 10, 10 a season. Um, and, 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 and absolutely. Matt, just, that, just as a side note, if we were top at league, would that person have gone? Oh, no, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, that, that was part of my point. Yeah, exactly. so, yeah. you know, well, it's, it's how many times have Huddersfield Town top of the league? Yeah. And, no, and, but and, do you know what I mean? You're all right if we're challenging for top then because people, I don't go to as, I've not been to as many away games this season, but it's not because. It's because we've been crap, I'll be quite honest. No, but these than, people, have been challenging this, this six, guy would have gone had we been mid-table. That's the point. If we'd have been mid-table, it'd have gone nine or ten. I think the but thing now, is, but now it's, it's easy. Like, I think it's like Paul said, like the spectators are going to benefit from this, right? So whether you're going to benefit in the grounds if there's less fans, if that's what we're saying, then maybe not. Top end it's going to be it's going to stay the same, isn't it? Uh, but the spectators are going to benefit because they're going to be able to see more football. Right, end off. That's that's it. Um, but I think it's just going to take a lot. It, it it would take a lot away from that match day experience. Um, but obviously, this company then are they going to put more money into the clubs? Because if the spectators aren't coming to the grounds, then the clubs are losing out of money. So it's going to have to be funded back in somewhere from that. So it's kind of like just it's a continuous cycle. As long as as long as the club isn't losing out on on the money that they would normally get, then I have no issues with it. To be honest. I mean, there is a really good, a really good slant to it as well, um, because I, I think for local football clubs, and I think Paz might agree with me on this one, local football clubs really struggle to create new fans. You know, so a Huddersfield or a Bradford or something really struggle to bring in new fans because of football on TV, because it's so easy to watch Barcelona, it's so easy to watch Man United, Man City weekly. Um, on Sky and the coverage on Sky. So it's so easy for kids to grow up in these areas and support somebody else because of the access that they have. And this could potentially redress that in some way, whereby all of a sudden you've got more access to, you know, you're from Huddersfield. Now you've got more access to Huddersfield, even if you can't go to a game. So there is there is that side of things and it is a more powerful marketing tool as well. You can, you can put more eyes in front of it who can then potentially go to a game. Um, so it's not, I'm not saying everything about it is negative, but my my gut tells me less people in time, maybe not initially, but in time, less people will end up in the stadium unless you're top of the league. Let me say, if if I would 100% prefer to watch live football, I cannot stand watching football on TV. I hate it. 
it's just boring sat at home watching TV. So, but how many fans are in this are in the same boat? Like you say, it's going to be really easy for some of them just to say, you know, I'll just watch it at home. I've got it, I've got it available there. And it takes away yeah. from the match. Every, everyone's different. We're we're sort of more hardcore. Uh, would it be fair to say we're more hardcore Huddersfield fans? We love going to the games. Pos, Pos it, loves the Cowshed Loyal and stuff and it's everything about it. It's the before the game, it's during the game, the people that you stood with, you're chatting to. You know, that, that, that's the biggest thing about football. And, and now we're going to start because we're, we're showing every single sport. You can get whatever you want to watch. Are we kind of diluting it? Is, is sport going a different way? Do you know what I mean? And that's what Yeah, maybe we're, just, maybe, maybe we're just a bunch of old bastards and we're not up with the yeah. times. It's potentially yeah. that, isn't it? I mean, Cosy uh, would be interesting on this topic as well. I think he'd have quite a lot to say, but there's a lot of times where he's been, where he said he's gone to the pubs in Huddersfield before the game and there's people wanting to stay in the pub. You know, not actually go down to the stadium. And again, if you can legally watch it in the pubs at Saturday three o'clock, you know, it, it may it may re, it may improve your footfall in the town centre again. But you know, and, and and the pub life and what have you. But you know, does it make it easy then to go meet your mates and sit and you can have a beer and watch the game rather than not drink and watch it? There's there's all sorts, isn't there? There's all sorts of different. Yeah. Do we know what other? Do we know what other? I think I might be wrong. I'm sure I heard on Talk Sport that there's there's us, and I think there's one other country that have this rule across. Do you mean UEFA governed countries? I think quite a lot of countries. This isn't a situation that you you can you can watch your your team via your 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 football team's own TV channel or via whoever does it in that country. So yeah, quite popular, isn't it? Yeah, we are quite rare to have this blackout. So. It's the fact that again, different country, different mindsets, etc. It's not necessarily the same, but it's not like we're breaking ground here. Other European countries who have, okay, maybe not as, as successful as pyramid as we do, but certainly have a, a pyramid where second and third division teams are getting in the thousand of attendances. Are they are still doing that? So it, it's not we're not too different. Um, so I guess it's what how it operates in that country is just like say some sort of I'm not sure what the terminology used there, Matt, but basically geographical blackout within the stadium potentially yeah i don't know but it's not that it's it's unique and we're the, I mean, we're really kind of going against the grain here. that's the blackout itself is very rare and often seemed weird in this country um from a european perspective so i guess that's an interesting take as well yeah i mean germany's very successful isn't it but i think the, the whole experience there they've got the cheaper tickets haven't they? they've got um the ultras culture haven't they as well pause and a lot of it's it's very different, isn't it, over over in Germany to what it is here. I think in the UK or in England especially, it seems like football's expensive and fans mm. tend to sit on their hands and want to be entertained as opposed to going to entertain people with noise and colour, which is what a lot of them do in Germany. Different mindsets, different folks, different strokes, isn't it? It's it's gonna be interesting. I think my I would I would kind of like to trial it. But I, yeah. I just worry that once you open the door, then then it, the flood comes in. If you know what I mean, then you can't close it again. If it's if it's, you know, if if you do see falling attendances, I, I do worry that you wouldn't be able to close that door again. And but I suppose it's about adapting, really, isn't it? Football clubs are going to have to adapt and do things differently. And a lot of clubs like Huddersfield, I suppose, Accrington will struggle to adapt and do things differently initially. And it's going to be those who think on their feet and, and maybe you need some Americanism and, and American culture and some tailgating barbecues in the car park, et cetera, to, you yeah. know, bring a different slant to things. Pause, you'd be up for that, wouldn't you? Most of the stuff, class. <laughs> but, you know, maybe, maybe is it, I'm, 
I'm not for it. Um, you guys have put a decent case forward the way it is. Um, I'm not sure Phil's for it, um, but uh, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting, isn't it? What what happens? And definitely ready to listen, but I'm very skeptical. Pause. You feel like you've got something more to say on it, mate? No, I was gonna say I don't think it's a, a totally black or white argument. There's obviously with anything like this, it's you know the shades of grey, and for every pro you can think of a con and for every con you can think of a pro to go towards it and everyone's individual circumstances will obviously be massively different I think if they do do the the 3pm blackout I think you know you mentioned the the money you know if they lift it the, the extra money that would come in for a Manchester United or a Arsenal or a Liverpool will be vastly superior to what might come in in into another field town, for example. So I think if, if I understand, it needs to be evenly right, distributed, doesn't it? Football league, it's going to be split between everybody, um, which is which is good because that could potentially bring a lot more money in to, to lower league clubs to level that playing field. Which I do believe that games that are shown on TV, um, that's how it should be. It should be you know you pay the rights for a league and everybody gets an equal share, regardless of whether your team attracts fifty viewers or. Like fifty thousand viewers, because you know, if not, you'll end up in a situation like I think they have in Spain, where Barcelona and Real Madrid go off and get their own TV deal. And, oh, they've changed that now, but that, that used to that, yeah, that used to be the case. But no one else is interested in watching Osasuna or whoever, you know. Um, so they just run away and get even more money. So I think it would need to be really if they did do it and and, and govern it, and it would be interesting to see it to see what would happen. I think. Um, yeah, we could argue backwards and forwards, and you can, you know, probably things were not covered as well. It's a bad idea as well, you know, because yeah, so many I mean, the only way I you mean, can do it is to literally just try it and see what happens. I mean, fans of different clubs are different as well, aren't they? And they'll have different takes and they'll react differently. Everyone will react differently. It's it's interesting, isn't it? I just I just feel like a northern towns with uh, without much affluence will. will you know, struggle to do both for sure, you know. Um, so, you know, your ticket prices have, have definitely got to yeah. uh, stay well. cheap. So that's that's interesting. So uh, been a good pod tonight, guys. Um, thanks, for thanks, Phil, for coming on. Um, thanks, Paz. Thanks, Johnny. Um, any other business before we call it an evening? No, mate, I think that's it. Go have a nice Easter, lads. Don't that's it. Too many yeah. Merry, <laughs> yeah, Merry Easter, y'all. Looking down the dirty old window Down below on Bradley Mills Road The cars rush around I'm parking me things And I'll leave the ground Thursday morning everyone's reading That it's time for a Huddersfield Ownership turnaround I no longer own Huddersfield Town Up the town Hold the 
plus another six to get to the end of this bastard season. Fucking hell. I've spent a fucking shitload. What's that in dollars, lads? Hey, you lot, hey up. Howdy. Yeehaw. Y'all. Hey, uh, aluminum. Uh, Fossil. Junior High. Pee Wee Soccer. Diapers. Uh, spelling the word colour with no U in it. Jesse Marsh. Actually, no. Fuck that. We're not having him. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> 